0: in Mark shock of shocks we've just finished the trial before the high priest and the Peter's denial of Jesus I, I won't deny you and Jesus says before the cock crows in Mark twice you will have denied me three times and so here he is outside waiting to find out what would happen And he denies Jesus three times. At that moment, verse 72 of Mark 14, at that moment the cock crowed for the second time. Then Peter remembered that Jesus had said to him, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Chapter 15. As soon as it was morning, the chief priests and held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He re-answered him, You say so. <laughs> you say so. It's almost like, you know, Are you the king of the Jews? Well, if you want to call me that, I suppose so. Then the chief priest accused him of many things. Pilate asked him again. Notice they don't say what those many things are. Mark doesn't articulate that. He just says, Then the chief priest accused him of many things. Pilate asked him again, Have you no answer? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further reply so that Pilate was amazed. That's pretty much it for the trial part now, more or less. But there's more to there's more here, so let's just keep reading. Now at the festival, what festival?
1: Well, over.
0: well not really. You have to remember we think of Passover as a one night affair, but it wasn't. Passover began a week long. Feast of Unleavened Bread that begins with Passover night, then Passover day, then the beginning of a special Sabbath day that is an addition to the normal Sabbath day. Then following the week of Unleavened Bread and then a final extra Sabbath day at the end of it. Okay. So it was a long drawn out affair that begins with Passover and then continues. So that's what they're talking about. Now, at the festival, he used to release a prisoner for them, anyone for whom they asked. Now, a man called Barabbas was in prison with the rebels who had committed murder during the insurrection. So the crowd came and began to ask Pilate to do for them according to his custom. Then he answered them, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that the chief priest had handed him over. That's fascinating. Pilate's given some insight here. I mean, he's... he, thus far, you know, in Mark, he's kind of there, but he hasn't done anything. He asks a couple of questions, doesn't get really an answer to speak of, and does, hasn't decided what he's going to do. Instead, he turns to this thing. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? And it says in verse 10, for he realized that it was out of jealousy that the chief priest had handed him over jealousy that's a totally different motivation than we've seen yeah at least officially Who, I'm sorry, who's jealous the chief, priests, the chief priests for he pilate realized that it was out of jealousy that the chief priests had handed him jesus over Huh. in other words their whole opposition according to pilate here their whole opposition to Jesus stems from their upset that he, Jesus, was able to garner support for the people, from the people. And they're ticked off about that because they certainly can't seem to get that support. Most of the people of Jerusalem and the people of the countryside are ticked off at them because they've been you know, consorting with the, with the Roman occupation forces. And allowing greek cultural influences to change the their their daily practices and that's just that's just is wrong and and so they're a little bit jealous that jesus here's this you know essentially uneducated rabbi from galilee has a strange accent he comes down here and he's able to get them to greet him with a you know a donkey and hosanna in the highest i mean they're they're kind of jealous of that at least that was what Mark says Pilate realized. Hey Pilate just
1: comes off as a really really kind of great guy here when you he go down to a very insightful
0: of- <laughs> <laughs> Wait till you get to Luke <laughs> Wait till you get to Luke. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a I mean a little insightful, somewhat indecisive. He decides not to make a decision. He's trying to get out of this but he's not willing to really make the decision. For he realized that it was out of jealousy that the chief priests had him over, him over, Jesus over. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas for them instead. Pilate spoke to them again. Then what do you wish me to do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, Crucify him! Pilate asked them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, "Crucify him!" So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas for them, and after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Now, you know, the,
1: I'm, I'm sure you've you've heard all these theories and everything, but this this whole passage here from is, is one that the critics of this really focus
0: on because the the
1: account of Pilate is just so different from anything we have that's independent of this.
0: Independent of the Gospels, Pilate is a bloodthirsty, vicious monster. Who who delights in agitating the Jews. He would have taken advantage of this and whipped them up (laughs) into a frenzy. and, And there are some scholars who say that if, if you filter out the attempt to, uh, to present Christianity in a positive light to the Gentiles, especially to the Romans, by, by depicting Pilate in a positive sense, you can kind of see that there may have been some of that going on in here. Instead of waiting for this presentation to say, okay, who do you want me to release? You know, Barabbas or, you know, the king of the Jews, he could have gone about it a different way. And he didn't. He took advantage of the situation and got them all whipped up into a frenzy. Um, but uh, what he, what, one of the things he's reputed to have done is when he saw a crowd of
1: Jews gathered, he would take his secret agents and send them out into the crowd with knives and just stab people yeah, randomly. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the way he administered his, his uh-huh. To the Jews, you know, they eventually recalled it because he sure. was just so unpopular. With he
0: caused so many problems. The emperor, now it is true, the emperor said, you got to keep that country mollified and under control. And unfortunately, he did the exact opposite, repeatedly. It would not have been necessarily in his character to try to keep him under control, or, as it says, so Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd. <laughs>
1: Exactly. So <laughs> the crowd satisfied him,
0: wishing, wishing to whoop the crowd <laughs> into an even greater frenzy, or,
1: <laughs> or say, "You want me to kill? You know, the heck with you! I'm, he's, he's free.
0: You know, that would yeah, be or more likely. I'll, kill, I'll kill both, Thor." <laughs> and he, and he, then
1: this, this business about, you know, that Mark drops in here <clears throat> when he, when he was murdering people in the insurrection. Excuse us! You know what was this? You know where this one come from? <laughs> this insurrection, <laughs> the and there's no evidence that Pilate pilot or anybody else ever had a custom of releasing a prisoner during the, the Passover. Yeah. That's exactly the time when they wouldn't do something like oh, that. Oh no! They want to
0: they keep that guy off the streets and out of him off the streets because out of all these Jews generating hanging around. trouble. Yeah. Uh, the insurrection is unrecorded. There is no recording of an insurrection that occurred at about this time. But there were plenty of insurrections that occurred periodically, especially insurrections around pretenders to the Messiahship. And as we will find out a little later, one, there is a tradition that says, and it's, it's a biblical tradition that says that Barabbas' first name was also Yeshua.
1: Yeah. The, the, who he who he might have been? is a real a theory about that
0: theory. there probably was such a situation in which this happened and he did it to whip up the crowd into a frenzy and not because it was a tradition that they did it but because he was trying to get them to, to rebel or to do something because he kind of enjoyed watching it from up on high but in, in Mark he comes across as well a little bit um, wishy-washy but but a fairly intelligent and insightful guy. I mean, very reasonable. yeah, very reasonable, yeah.
1: Trying to do the right thing here.
0: But ain't nothing compared to what you're going to get in Luke, okay? I mean, in Luke, he's, he's destined for sainthood. I mean.
1: <laughs> and then, then the other thing is, is the strange behavior of the crowd. You know, when, when we start off the week, why everybody's afraid of that crowd,
0: uh, and they're, they're That's why they wouldn't arrest Jesus, Jesus in the temple.
1: Jesus, yeah. they they greeted
0: him with Hosanna in the highest he's the coming Messiah and by this point in time all they have to do is send the chief priests and the elders and you know their helpers out into the crowd to whip up this group to cry crucify him there's there's
1: a a different crowd or the crowd has changed for no apparent reason but the priests didn't bother him in the temples
0: no because they were afraid of the people now They they had every reason to be afraid of the people. The people didn't like them. The people did not like the Jewish authorities. They didn't like their own religious leaders. Their religious leaders were doing things that they didn't think were right. They were importing Gentile customs and practices and food. They were consorting with and cooperating with the Roman occupation forces. They were doing absolutely everything wrong in the opinion of the people. And so almost anything they did would probably piss off the people. So that's a fact. Now, would arresting Jesus have caused a problem? Well, if all those people had just greeted him thinking he's going to be the Messiah and then they arrest him, yeah, that that would cause a real problem. Now, what would cause them to change? One theory is, well, it's kind of like what happened with Judas. Jesus didn't turn out to be the kind of Messiah they were expecting. He should have come in In triumphant entry into the city And gone straight up to the high priest house And tossed him out on his ear And installed himself or somebody else To be high priest And then taken an army and gone over And expelled Herod Antipas And expelled Pilate To take over the kingdom Yeah, that was what they were expecting To establish right worship And establish the new kingdom of David And he didn't do that Instead he talked about dying
1: Know, public opinion does change, but not quite as rapidly as In it is. In just a few days. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, it, this would make more sense if if Pilot was consulting with the chief priest whom he wasn't cahoots with to try to keep some things. Sure. But Mark Mark portrays it as, as this public opinion thing that Pilot uh-huh. is. So and it's, it's clearly not, that's, that's uh,
0: clearly uh, a creation. Uh, okay. All right. Um, there may be some echoes of Something that went on, but it's been cleaned and polished and filtered for Roman, Gentile ears and eyes. Keep that in mind. All right, turn to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27. When uh, beginning at verse one, again it's the exact same place that we left off in Mark. Peter has denied Jesus three times, and the cock has croaked. So Mark, so Matthew twenty-seven verse one. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus in order to bring about his death they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate the governor. Now that that part, that's essentially straight out of Mark. Now we get something different. When Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he repented. Well, that's interesting. Interesting utilization of wording. He repented and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and the elders. Now this is the guy who's betrayed Jesus. This is the guy into whom the devil had gone to get him to betray Jesus. He's repented and he's brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and the elders. He said, "I have sinned by betraying innocent blood." But they said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. Well, <laughs> you idiot chief priests and elders, it's your job to take care of this kind of stuff. I'm trying to repent here. Go slaughter some animal and project my sins onto it. Get to Help me here. Help me out. Come on. Give me a hand. What is that to us? See to it yourself. Not very pastoral of them. <laughs> Of course, they're being cast in the most negative light possible. And Jesus' betrayer is actually being cast here in a, well, somewhat pathetic, but positive in a sense. He's trying to do right. He's, He's repenting. He has recognized that what he did was wrong. He's trying to fix it, at least for himself still very pathetic and tragic but it's it's a sudden reversal and not really what you expect given Judas's press over the centuries he needed to hire himself a PR firm because he's gotten terrible press and here even in Matthew in the Gospels it says he repented he brought back the 30 pieces of silver He says, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. He recognizes his mistake. What is that to us? See to it yourself. Throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. He went and hanged himself. Almost as if since he can't handle it the religious way you know using the chief priests and the elders and getting the you know getting a sacrifice done for him to take care of this horrific sin that he's done he instead sacrifices himself in a sense eaten up with it's depicted here as being eaten up with remorse with to use the modern or the religious Christian term contrition recognizing that what he did was wrong not just that he's gotten caught or that it didn't turn out the way he wanted instead i have sinned by betraying innocent blood well, how did he want it to turn out Pretty great well some of the interpretations are that he was thinking that by forcing the arrest Jesus would raise up an army then, or by forcing a trial before the high priest, Jesus would do whatever a Messiah does and wipe him out and, and, and start the Messiahship, what they were expecting. And neither has happened. So you can see that since what he expected to happen, maybe, didn't occur it got through to him suddenly I made a really big mistake I have betrayed innocent blood but, but Matthew's explanation is that he was Satan possessed, possessed by him. Satan to do it
1: just strictly a
0: man. now he's freed from that and now he's horrible, horrified at what he did he's a very tragic pathetic character you feel very sorry for it. I do. Here, as he's portrayed here, notice how he dies. He departed and went and hanged himself. Doesn't say where he hanged himself. Doesn't say when. Just that he departed and did it, and it's pretty immediate. The grammar here says it's all immediate, so it's, it's almost certain that it, you know happens probably even before Jesus dies. So, but there's no indication any, any other factors are involved. When we read Luke, we'll also look in a minute, we'll also look at the Acts of the Apostles and their version, the version that's found there, because Luke also wrote the Acts of the Apostles and contains what happened to Judas there. And it's very different from Matthew's rendition. So that's, we're not, we're not finished yet, but um, um, this is sort of an insertion. It's not found in Mark. But the chief priest, taking the pieces of silver, said, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury, since they are blood money. Well, you paid it, you hypocrite. You took it from the treasury to pay, but you can't take it back. What a hypocrites. After conferring together, they used them, the 30 pieces of silver, to buy the potter's field as a place to bury foreigners. For this reason, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of the one on whom a price had been set, on whom some of the people of Israel had set a price, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord commanded me. Hmm. So drawing a rather interesting reference here.
1: And is that still there?
0: Well, the potter's field? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a traditional place that's identified as that. Field of
1: blood. Yeah. This seems to be what, oh, what Matthew's after is, is a way to weave in this prophecy or this reference well, to that. Well, either,
0: either it's a way to weave in the prophecy or he just had, he, for some reason it's important mm-hmm. To recognize the Potter's Field for some reason, you are not sure why, but you notice he doesn't buy it. Judas doesn't buy it. It's bought by the with the money that he threw down on the on the ground there on the floor in the in front of the high priest and the elders, and they buy it for the burial of foreigners, and it's called the Blood Field now. And then it uses this citation to. To flesh it out and to provide a fulfillment. It's fascinating how that happens. We'll see a different utilization in Acts. Now, Jesus, verse 11, now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, You say so. Same response as in Mark, no difference. But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, "Do you not hear how many accusations they make against you?" But he gave him no answer, not even a single char- to even a single charge. So the governor was greatly amazed. Essentially, what we have out of Mark. Now, at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. Whom do you want me to release for you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who was called the Messiah? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. So the same internal insight that Mark reflects we see here in Matthew as well. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that innocent man. For today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. Now, that one itty-bitty little reference has produced so much apocryphal story. It's it's almost ridiculous. It's fascinating to see here we've got Pilate's wife, Claudia, having a dream. The result of that little praise about Jesus, a positive dream about Jesus, don't have anything to do with this man is innocent, and I've had this dream about it. I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. In the traditions of the church she is she becomes a christian and is supposed to be influential in eventually pilate's own conversion much later now the historicity of that is highly suspect But it's a fascinating story, a series of stories. And it all comes from that one itty bitty little verse. And that itty bitty little verse is only found in Matthew. And what's it doing there? I mean, that could be interpreted as she had a lustful dream about him. Possibly.
1: Was dealing with feelings of guilt.
0: Have nothing to do with that innocent man. For today, I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him.
1: Well, most you know, I think certainly a lot of folks think that <clears throat> all of this progression is designed to exculpate the Romans to the extent that you can, because the fact is that they did the deed.
0: <laughs> no, it's so, uh, it. You can't get around that, and the story eventually just comes right out and says it. But this little bit here has occasion, tons of speculation, both from, both from the religious side and from the academic side. The speculation from the religious side started pretty much probably before and right after it got into Matthew. It's a fascinating little snapshot. It, it, it's, it's really interesting how this gets used. What's it there for? The speculation on its inclusion. As an attempt to soften Pilate yet again. In an attempt to give Pilate a, a more of a human face. Well, yeah, well, he was a human. He was married to Claudia, the, the granddaughter of the emperor. Yeah, all that's true. Alright. But it just doesn't it just it's weird. First of all, there is a good historical question as to whether or not Claudia would have been in Jerusalem and not back over in Caesarea. At at the procurator's palace. He would have been in Jerusalem. That's pretty clear. Trying to theoretically trying to keep the place under control during this massive festival that happens every year and is a big headache to the Romans. My little notes don't even address. Them. No, they don't address it. Most commentaries skip it. Yeah, buddy. Totally. It's fascinating. Source,
1: assuming she didn't convert and spill the beans, you know,
0: you kind of wonder how in the world would anybody know about that? Where did this come from? Exactly. It's it's a part of traditional lore that Claudia became a very early Christian, one of the earliest Gentile converts. It's only in Matthew that you'd think this would be in Luke. In fact, that's the shock. You really think that this this little bit that verse would be over in Luke? It's found in Matthew, of all places. That's weird. It's one of those mysteries, and there is no real answer as to what that little bit's about, how she is used in in uh, faithful lore in in the in the writings and traditions of of the Christians over the centuries is very positively. Very positively. She's even seen as one of the avenues through which Christianity entered into the imperial household that Paul talks about in the letter to the Romans. Well, that's possible. I mean, yeah, that's possible. I mean, it's possible that she was there. It's possible that she became a Christian. All of that's possible. It's possible that Pilate eventually got converted. But. I mean look had Pilate been converted to Christianity when it claimed when, it, when the stories about him claim that he was had that actually happened I think it would not have I, I think that the author of Acts would have, would have picked up on it yeah, that's, that's a pretty important event good story. the one who executed Jesus converts is forgiven by Jesus and converts You think that would be in the Acts of the Apostles, especially given how they're trying to influence Greek and Roman thought in positive characters toward toward the church. I think that tradition is spurious. Now, whether or not this bit about Claudia is, I don't know. The source for this would have to be Claudia herself. That's weird. That's weird. Um, let's keep going. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. Now here are these people they've been the the chief priests and the elders have been afraid of these people for so long and now suddenly they have the ability to convince them to, to change positions. The governor again said to them which of the two do you want me to release for you? It's almost like he's pleading with them. And they said Barabbas! Pilate said to them then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah all of them said let him be crucified then he asked why what evil has he he's trying to get them to tell him why why what evil has he done but they shouted all the more let him be crucified now so excuse me so when Pilate saw that he could do nothing, he, but rather that a riot was beginning, and the historical pilot would have been having a good time for asking for the wine and the popcorn about now, he took some water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Then the people as a whole answered, His blood be on us and on our children. So he released Barabbas for them, and after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified.
1: That's Mark's...
0: Back to Mark. Back to Mark, yeah.
1: I'm I'm sorry, Matthew's... uh, His blood be on us and on our children. That's Matthew, that's
0: not Mark. Yeah, right. You can. The, the, this,
1: everything here is kind of kind of amplifying the role of the Jews, the Jews. in this whole. And the
0: Mark contains the Jewish leadership as the principal villain. The people as sort of pathetic, kind of wishy-washy kind of folk who just kind of turn. Matthew is far more caustic. Now, it's fascinating. Matthew was written by a Jewish Christian to Jewish Christians following the destruction of the Second Temple in 70 AD. He also was writing to those Jewish Christians who had recently been tossed out of the synagogues. Sure. This is about Jews, not about Christians. This is anger at the Jews for how the Jews have excluded Jewish Christians from synagogue worship. After the destruction of the Second Temple, to survive, Judaism had to get rid of all of its denominations and become one monolithic thing. Pharisaic Judaism won. All the other forms lost. And if you were going to remain in Jewish circles, you had to essentially give up the distinctiveness of your particular sect and become a good Pharisaic Jew because the Pharisees ran the synagogues. By 70 AD, by 75 to 80 AD, that was pretty much what was happening. And it was happening to the Zealots, and it was happening to the Essenes, and it was happening to the Sadducees. All the various groups were being told okay, you're now one of us. Accept it, live with it, deal with it. They said the same thing to the Christians, to the Jewish Christians who were worshiping in their homes, remembering Jesus in communion and hearing the stories about Jesus. But on the Sabbath day, they were going to the synagogue and participating in the synagogue worship too. Well, this was no longer acceptable. You couldn't be different. And so they were tossing them out, making them leave the synagogue. Remember, in the Acts of the Apostles and in Paul's own letters, he tells us, That his ministry would begin in a synagogue where he would find a few believers as well as regular Jews. And he would try to preach about Jesus and teach about Jesus until eventually he would get tossed out. That sort of foreshadowed what eventually happened when all Jewish Christians would get tossed out of the synagogues. They were, they were Jews, but they were also Christians. It was a sect or a denomination of Judaism. And eventually they were told, sorry, you are no longer welcome. If you're going to say that Jesus is the Messiah, you can't be a Jew anymore. You can't come to synagogue. Out. And that engendered a real bitterness that really starts showing itself. It's, you see it elsewhere in Matthew. But with the arrest and further on and here we've seen it already and we see it tonight with all of that anger and bitterness towards the Jewish leadership and the Jews really comes to the surface here and the author isn't a Gentile (laughs) it's a Jewish Christian who's pissed off that he and his family and his fellow Christians have been tossed out the synagogue. There's, a, there's going to be another reference to it in a little bit in Matthew, and we, we won't read it tonight, but we'll read it next time. And it's it's interesting a little insight as to why you have this demonization of not just the Jewish leaders who, who you know deserve to be slapped around, but the Jewish people too, who had been lauding Jesus, suddenly are crying. Um, his blood be on us and on our children. That's what's behind some of this amplification. Not only is it an attempt to uh, present Christianity in a positive light vis a vis Greeks and the Roman authorities, you know, putting the blame on the Jews, it's also reflective of some anger at the Jewish community for tossing them out.
1: Can't help but. Monty Python things, where the crowds shout these
0: things, phrases, (laughs) and Oh, In the the life of Brian, Brian. oh God, that is the funniest scene. (laughs) When his friend Biggest Dickus comes from Rome, (laughs) I have a good friend from Rome. (laughs) Pilate is depicted as having a lisp. And his friend Biggest Dickus also has a lisp. And you get up there and says, "Who do you want me to release? Release Brian! <laughs> Samson the Sadducee strangler, and <laughs> they finally get down to Jesus. Okay. <laughs> and then they're rolling on the floor laughing at Pilate and his list. It's hilarious. <laughs> I
1: have to see that.
0: It's well worth watching if you really want to laugh and if you're in an irreverent mood. Some of the best." Some, First of all, there's, a, there's an element of the film that's actually brilliant, and it's when they're sitting in the, in the, uh, at the Colosseum watching the, the gladiator games, and you've got the various Jews in their various groups. The, the People's Front of Judea will not sit with the Judean People's Front, because those are splinters, and we are the true rebels against Rome. You know? <laughs> I mean, it depicts the fractured character of uh-huh. Jewish society brilliantly, correctly. It's uh-huh. hilarious. It's a fabulous movie. It's, it's also extremely irreverent. Yeah. I love I, it. I've never,
1: cared, I've never gotten much of Monty Python, but that one I That one you get.
0: It's it. not hard to get that one. That's really funny. In fact, it might be worth watching at some point just for fun. Just for fun, we'll have a movie night in here and watch The Life of Brian. <laughs> okay. Um, where were we? Oh, yeah, here we go. So, um, so, uh, so, he, verse 26. So he released Barabbas for them. And after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Now, interesting. Uh, diagram that sentence. Who did the flogging? Pilate. Pilate. <laughs> Pilate does the flogging. The same thing in Mark. But it, the way it reads in this one, uh-huh. it says uh, then he released Barabbas for them, but after having... After having Jesus scourged. He All handed right. him over to which, be crucified. Which removes him from the actual job of swinging the whip. Right. But the more slightly more literal reading is, so he released Barabbas for them, and after flogging Jesus, he, Pilate, handed him, Jesus, over to be crucified. Yeah. Interesting structure of the sentence there. Um, notice that in both Mark and Matthew, the scourging... The flogging—it's pretty off. much brushed off. Luke is the one who really deals with the flogging in a in 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 a in a way that is fascinating. Um, part of the humanization of Pilate, by the way, which we'll talk about in just a second. All right, turn to Luke. Luke chapter 23. Remember Luke inverts the sequence so that the trial occurs after Jesus, after Peter has betrayed, has denied Jesus three times. then Jesus turns and looks at Peter and then they go in for the trial and the trial doesn't take place at night it takes place in the morning it doesn't appears not to take place at, at uh, Caiaphas's house but instead appears to take place at, uh, at, at the council chamber I mean he's in some ways he actually does Luke does a little bit of rehabilitation here even of the Jewish leadership which is a little strange, it's not what you expect so here we have Uh, Verse uh, 70 of chapter 22. All of them asked, Are you then the Son of God? And he said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Chapter 23. Then the assembly rose as a body and brought Jesus before Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this man perverting our nation. (laughs) Now we're going to get to hear what they say to Pilate. We found this man perverting our nation, forbidding us to pay taxes to the emperor and saying that he himself is the Messiah, a king. That's fascinating. So here we get to listen to what they actually say to Pilate, that Jesus did then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered, You say so. Okay, now here we see Mark's influence there at in verse 3. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered, You say so. That, that, we've heard that now three times from Mark and from Matthew and from Luke. That's Mark's influence. The expanded list of the charges is from Luke and Luke alone. Then Pilate said to the chief priest and the crowds, and, and the crowds.
1: Yeah, it's a plural word. Yeah. Them, one crowd. Wow. Crowds.
0: Crowds is, crowds is. Active
1: Jewish liberation. And the, <laughs> the people's liberation front
0: of Judea and the, Judean front <laughs> and the Judean people's front and the free Palestine. And <laughs> uh, Then Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered, you say so. Then Pilate said to the chief priest and the crowds, I find no basis for an accusation against this man.
1: <clears throat>
0: man, this Pilate guy is a pretty good guy, isn't he? But they were insistent and said, He stirs up the people by teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee, where he began, even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he had heard that he was under Herod, that's Herod Antipas, Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him off to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had been wanting to see him for a long time, because he had heard about him and was hoping to see him perform some sign. He he wants to see a magic show. You're Herod Antipas. You've got a lot of power in Galilee. You've got soldiers under your command. Why couldn't he just have Jesus brought to him? That's interesting. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had been wanting to see him for a long time because he had heard about him and was hoping to see him perform some sign. He questioned him at some length, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. Even Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then he put an elegant robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. I'm just stopping for just a second here. Jesus doesn't say anything, so they make fun of him and send him back to Pilate with a robe on. That same day, Herod and Pilate became friends with each other. Before this, they had been enemies.
1: I never, I never saw that sentence in
0: <laughs> you read the Bible and you, just, it, it, you never saw that particular sentence before. Isn't that weird? Yeah. That is so strange. I've never seen the actual
1: account of this story which doesn't seem to be nearly as interesting as the song and dance. That
0: oh, you mean you, you haven't? You don't remember seeing this bit about know, Herod? I've actually read
1: the story of the appearance before Herod. before. Oh. Oh. It, 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 uh, it, it's interesting to me that the, the Come up with accusations that should have been of interest to Pilate.
0: Yeah, I you mean earlier on? Oh yeah. I mean, blasphemy.
1: What does he care about that?
0: You don't care about blasphemy, but this not, insurrection business,
1: yeah,
0: you know. not paying taxes. Oh my gosh, that's important today. Huh. And In, Herod, you know,
1: probably should not have could have been seen through the blasphemy stuff because just well if they told him about the I am statement
0: but Herod actually comes off here as yeah he makes fun of Jesus but then he doesn't seem to accuse him or anything or say yeah he needs to die because look what happens next
1: yeah, yeah. Pilate
0: then called together the chief priest the leaders and the people and said to them you brought me this man as one who was perverting the people and I ha- and here I have examined him in your presence and have not found this man guilty of any of your charges against him Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. Indeed, he has done nothing to deserve death. Now right there, I mean of, I mean, Pilate could if he thought Mark was giving Pilate, you know, a nice cleaning, Luke really puts Pilate in a positive light. He's a reasonable, just ruler and, and you know, really good, really good. Now, look at this. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. Interesting. kind of Instead of putting Jesus to death, I'll have him beat. I'll have him beaten and then I'll let him go. Will that be enough for you? I mean, you want him dead. I don't think he needs to die, so we'll just get him... We'll just flog him. Maybe that'll do it. Then they all shouted out together Away with this fellow. Release Barabbas for us. That comes out of nowhere. Yeah. We'll see.
1: We'll see.
0: This was a man who has been This was a man who had been put in prison for an insurrection and had that had taken place in the city and for murder. You notice uh, that that's parenthetical, and it's probably original too, but it it's like he's trying to explain who this Barabbas guy is. And notice what's been kind of left out. This is something that Pilate does every Passover. Oh, yeah, that's the issue I've been dropped. Hmm. Pilate wanting to release Jesus. Now, Pilate's really trying here. They, sure, they kind of make him into an imp- impotent ruler though, I mean you think if he, if he you know, he's the Roman governor, he can do whatever the hell he wants Pilate wanting to release Jesus addressed them again but they kept shouting crucify him, crucify him a third time he said to them, why, what evil has he done I have, found, I have found in him no ground for the sentence of death, I will therefore have him flogged and then release him, that's the second time he says this I don't want him to die. I'm, I'm just going to have him flogged. Well, but they kept urgently demanding with loud shouts that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate reluctantly gave, I added that, but that's the way it reads, essentially. So Pilate gave his verdict that their demand should be granted. He released the man they asked for the one who had been put in prison for insurrection and murder and he handed Jesus over as they wished interesting because while he does say crowds here the principal actors are the Jewish leadership in, in the way Luke well, articulates they all it all together the crowds isn't
1: it?
0: could very well be the Jewish leadership. Because at verse 13, after Jesus comes back from Herod Antipas, it says, Pilate then called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people. So the chief priests are kind of leading this bit. But it's, there's no, his blood is on us or any of that stuff. That's been left out. That's in Matthew alone. They continue to cry out, crucify, crucify him. And Pilate's even a nicer guy. Pilate is a really nice guy. Mm -hmm. I've examined him several times. Can't find any justification for this. Sent him to Herod, and Herod made fun of him, but, I mean, there was no confirmation of the charge.
1: And the and the supposition here is is that these gospels are, are generally being written for Christians who are living in the Roman Empire and, and kind of wanting to get along if they can there's, there's no the, the Jews have been crushed and so they're sort of easy to pick on and the Romans are in charge so yeah. if we can
0: let's let's Well. Try to, Mark, pedal and Mark was probably written in Rome. So you're right smack dab in the middle of the empire. Luke was written in Asia Minor, Greece area. So you're in the midst of Gentiles. It was written to a Gentile Christian audience as well. Some Jews, but mostly Gentile Christians. Matthew was written, is the only one that was really written to a Jewish Christian audience in an area where there would be a lot of Jews. And that's why you have the even greater negativity towards the Jews there. I mean, granted, there's a negativity towards Jews in all three of these. It's less in Mark and in Luke than it is in Matthew. It's not very good in Luke, but the more important thing in Luke is not to throw all of the blame on the Jewish leadership. It is, but the point in Luke is to rehabilitate Pilate. Fascinating, Because if you think about it, in addition to Jesus, the two people who get the most mention amongst Christians are Peter, who denies Jesus, and Pilate. We say his name when we say in the creeds, crucified under Pontius Pilate. Uh, It's fascinating. And yet, Luke rehabilitates him incredibly. Matthew somewhat. Mark, he's just kind of there. Oh, okay. Don't don't start fighting. Here.
1: (coughs) And and most authorities point out that... (coughs) And the Jews wanted to, they could have executed Jesus for blasphemy, just as they did Stephen. And, you know, there's, there's some. There was. Is it John where well, they say we have no law to put a man to death? Right.
0: John, John has that. John is actually the worst towards the Jews of all. And not very helpful to Pilate, but worse towards the Jews especially. But John was written even later than Matthew, Mark, and Luke and actually reflects a little bit of conflict with Rome as well. Um, So there's another factor going on there. Um, Whether or not the Jewish leadership could have officially put Jesus to death themselves without Roman authorization. That's a question. Jesus saved people from stoning. Question is, weren't those stonings more in the form of a lynch mob? instead of an official act of the government, the Jewish leadership government. Um, how about
1: Stephen? The Stephen official?
0: was a lynch mob. That the way it's described in Acts, it's a lynch mob. Uh, the question is, is it could they have done it? Well the Romans tended to delegate authority, great amounts of authority to the local leadership on matters of local issues. And a religious crime like this that Jesus was charged with, blasphemy, would normally have been relegated to the religious courts. Whether or not the Romans had granted the Jewish leadership the authority to execute people officially, we don't know. We don't know. And the examples in the Bible of people being stoned and whatnot for religious crimes are all examples of lynch mobs. So. pretty much like what? Well, <laughs> down to? They it. could have, you <laughs> see, they could have handled it, they, they could have handled Jesus in a lynch mob fashion. They could have killed him right there in the garden without going through this song and dance. Um, good question on that. Uh, there's some reason, the basic uh, reasoning that I have always heard as to the reason why the Jewish leadership didn't do it themselves is because they didn't want to take responsibility but are still afraid of the people. If you want to go in terms of history, the most likely fact, the most probable thing is that in an appearance before Pilate, it would have been the high priests, the religious leadership, and that's about it. <coughs> and if there was any bargaining going on at all, it was entirely the leadership who did it. The people would have been opposed to it. And afraid and terrified of the event when it happened, and would have run just like the disciples ran. Um, they would have been out there yelling, "Crucify him!" The leadership would have been doing that. I think that's probably more likely reading that the 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 trial, such as it was before Pilate, would probably have been along the lines of: They bring Jesus to Pilate, and they said he claims to be king, Ooh. and he just invaded the temple. Uh huh. Yeah. They gave evidences of of he's a problem person who is claiming, essentially calling for insurrection against Rome because only the emperor can decide who's going to be a vassal king within the empire. And so this is usurping Roman authority, and you need to get rid of it. Yeah, he's committed these religious crimes on our side, and that's why we really want him dead, but... Here are the reasons that you need to execute him for. And Pilate probably said, fine. Now this flogging bit, one theory is that originally maybe Pilate said, no, flog him and release him. He'll probably die from the flogging. If they gave him the 30 stripes with the cat of nine tails, yeah, he'd probably die from the, thong, from the flogging. And it's a good warning because it's really nasty and it's done in public, and it's just about as good as a crucifixion. And then they said no, and he had it done. And then they said no, we want him crucified. We want him dead, and therefore he did it. But I, historically, I, I don't think there's any question that you didn't, you, they had to push Pilate into it. So, so Lou, just Barely follows Mark or or would he? He follows Mark, but he adds a ton of stuff. He adds Herod Antipas, he adds the extras about all of the flogging, all that extra stuff. But he does follow Mark's basic framework. Because when he first brings Jesus is first brought to Pilate, Pilate asks him the exact same question. Are you the king of the Jews? Which, by the way, would have been the charge that the Jewish authorities would have used against Jesus before Pilate. That's the insurrection charge. That's the treason charge. And he answered, you say so, which is the exact same answer that we had in Mark and Matthew. And then the rest of the time, he's silent. So the basic framework from Mark is there, and many of the words from... I mean, look, it goes... Chapter 23 goes all the way through verse 25. The parallel section from Mark is chapter 15 and goes through 15 verses. 15 verses as opposed to 25 verses. There's a lot of extra material in there, including the trip to Herod. Matthew goes, chapter 27 goes to the end of the story. It's 26 verses. But Matthew includes Judas, what happens to Judas? Luke includes the trip to Herod Antipas Matthew includes the trip to Judas they're almost exactly the same length you take those out, you get the same thing, more or less as in Mark but with Luke's additional material on trying to not release Jesus not to have Jesus killed let's take a real quick look at Acts and see how Luke handles Judas. It's in chapter 1 of Acts, beginning at verse 15. Now, Judas is dead. He was one of the 12. If the, Jew, if the church's leadership is going to be headed up by 12 disciples slash apostles, then they need to have a new one. So they're going to choose one. And here is the justification for it. Beginning at verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers. Together, with the, together, the crowd numbered about 120 persons and said, friends, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit through David foretold concerning Judas, who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. Well, that's somewhat different. Matthew says he hung himself. Luke, writing in the Acts of the Apostles, says that he fell headlong or possibly another rendition would be swelling up depending upon upon your version that you're reading. There's a textual variant there. He either swelled up and then burst, or he fell headlong. He burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. That's different. Now, a lot of people have tried to merge Matthew's rendition and Luke's rendition by saying, he hugged himself, The rope eventually broke. After he died, he hanging near dead. The rope broke. He fell. His stomach burst open because he'd been been dead for a while, so he swelled up. His stomach burst open, and it gushed out all over the ground. Okay. Makes
1: more sense than just falling over. It does, doesn't it? There's a reason why he
0: fell over. All right. Verse 19. This became known to all the residents of Jerusalem, so that the field was called excuse me I skipped a piece I'm sorry let me back up now verse 18 now this man acquired now this man is Judas acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness in Matthew he, he gives the money to the Jewish leadership and they buy the field in Acts he buys the field now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness and that's where it happens And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle. This became known to all the residents of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their language, Hakaldaba, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his homestead become desolate, and let there be no one to live in it. And let another take his position of overseer.
1: There's something about that
0: field that people don't like. That field gets bought with the money. The question is, who bought it? The Jewish leadership or Judas himself? Matthew doesn't say that Judas dies there. Matthew says that Judas gives the money back, goes and hangs himself, and the Jewish leader goes out and buys the field. doesn't say anything about Judas and the field other than that. It's Acts and Luke writing it that puts the two together. He really really piles it on. He piles it on. Judas is not in any way, shape, or form a tragic, pathetic character in Luke. Judas is a negative character in Luke. Big time. Whereas, Matthew tries to rehabilitate him. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. The one who who betrays Jesus, they try to rehabilitate him. That's good. good. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's a fascinating thing. There's there's no question that Pontius Pilate ordered Jesus' death. The gospel authors couldn't get around that. So they tried to rehabilitate him and make him sort of a pawn, or which is really weird considering who he was. Or that the Jewish leadership pushed him into it, and he didn't want there to be any kind of an insurrection or riot, and so he did it. And that makes him sort of really, really a wimp. And we know for a fact from history that he wasn't a wimp. And so that really kind of makes it for a weird, weird reading here. And the reason, as has been outlined, is the attempt, the desire, the need to exculpate the, the Roman authorities of the responsibility of Jesus for Jesus's death, even though they're the ones who did it, and put all the blame on the Jewish leadership and the Jewish people. Whereas. the most probable fact is it was the Jewish leadership who brought the charges and the Romans who said, Yep, let's do it. And it was as simple as that.
1: You have been listening to a Bible study by Dr. Gregory Neal. Senior Pastor of St. Stephen United Methodist Church and Rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2010 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information or to listen to other seminars, Bible studies or sermons by Dr. Gregory Neal, visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org. You are also invited to visit us in person at St. Stephen United Methodist Church 2520 Oates Drive, Mesquite, Texas, 75150. This program was produced by Dr. Greg Neal.